You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by South Africa's top boutique wealth manager, and that's Brenthurst Wealth. With me from Brenthurst Wealth is Magnus Haystack. Magnus, I heard on social media that there was a little bit of stick given to you uh, by a particular commentator on another media platform that said that you hate everything that's good about South Africa, or it was, I don't know how it was phrased, but he implied that you were so negative that you wanted South Africa to fail almost. That's the impression that I got. And I don't think that's the case. You're a realist, not a pessimist. No, of course not. You know, thank you very much, Lindsay, and and nice talking to you. Mm. You know, it was a side swipe that a certain fund manager cocked. He used to be a Sunlam, and he's now at a, a little boutique outfit called Denker. And maybe he wasn't thinking clearly, and he said, now, I, when, when Eric Hogg asked him what could happen to the South African markets if the grade listing is implemented, and he referred to a comment I made, I said, there are a couple of bad scenarios. And um, you know, he, he just automatically said, well, I hate everything about South Africa, and I, and I, and I, and I think that comment was way out of line. And it reflects you know, something quite prevalent in South Africa, that if you criticize something that is happening in the economy or the markets or even in politics, you are branded. Oh, now he hates South Africa. He is negative. Why doesn't he piss off and go and live in Australia? Exactly. So, And the function of a commentator like yourself, like me, is to try and best commentate on what is happening and especially in, in my case, you know, we don't get paid a cent by fund managers, which is a very strange in, industry. You know, we're independent. We don't work for them. We use their products for our clients if we think they deserve to be in, in, input into portfolios. And if they don't perform, then we take them out. And uh, we get paid only by our clients. Nobody else pays us. So we have to play uh, the role of guardian of the capital of our, for our clients and on behalf of our clients. Now, you don't, you know, the last 10 years have not been great for South Africa from an economic perspective in particular. And, you know, it is showing up in relative performance numbers, SA versus the rest. And we've spoken about this many, many times, whether it's, you know, the bond market. Well, the bond market is an exception, whether it's the property market or the equity market or the currency market. You know, had you stuck with a 100% South African portfolio, you become extremely poor in global terms. Now, this doesn't go down well with the local fund managers who still primarily participate in the in the local market, which is a, a smallish market, and, and they're all feeding out of the same trough, which is busy shrinking. You know, there's a massive outflow and the returns have not been great for their clients had then not exposed themselves to offshore equities or whatever the case might be. So I think it's very un- unfortunate for someone to make that comment. It's absolutely not true that I hate the country. My six children, four grandchildren and myself are all still in South Africa. But that does not mean we have not been building global portfolios, whether it's in Guernsey or Mauritius or wherever that might be. I don't think from what you just said, and I haven't heard the interview, I don't think he's having a go at you and you and your propensity 
to build overseas portfolios at the expense of South African portfolios, because that's, that's logical. The JSC is shrinking, returns have been terribly bad, and you can go on with a number of reasons why you should have an overseas exposure. I think what he's doing, he's feeling slightly negative about your your perceptions of the country as a whole, the the, the government, the municipalities, the, the population. I don't know. That's the impression that I get. And I would turn it round and say to this fellow, maybe we should get him on one day, um, is that your concern actually shows patriotism towards South Africa? Because if you didn't care, then you if you didn't care about it, then you wouldn't make these comments about GDP and unemployment, etc. Is that is that a logical argument? I think it is. You know, I have been commentating and 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 and, and pointing out things that have already happened or were in the process of happening, not what I hope will happen one day, that the whole place will come collapsing down, which is absurd. I, I hope to end my days in the country. But I'm not blindly and stupidly saying, you know, everything is, is going to be invested in South Africa. You still get people who simply do not believe in offshore investing, believe it or not. There was a well-known economist a year or two ago uh, on, on, on radio and he was interviewed. He said, I don't have a cent of my money offshore. It's all invested in South Africa. Now, you know, that is just that is just blindly stupid. Um, because you know, you know, if if you're if you are in the investing game and if you are managing people on behalf of people um who might not be as as in tune with markets than your, than yourself, that is that is foolish and that is that is dangerous because your outcome, your financial outcome five or ten or twenty years down the line is going to be extremely negative. And, and that's also irresponsible. So that's, that's absolute rubbish. But, you know, there are serious, serious problems in South Africa. I mean, the whole ESCOM thing is, a, uh, is an additional tax on every single person, every single company in South Africa. So when these fund managers and they appear on all kinds of shows, even your show, MoneyWeb and BizNews and all over, they get up and they say, well, South African market is so cheap. And they use historical... <laughs> Valuation metrics to justify why it's now time to buy South African equities. They, I think, deliberately ignore the macroeconomic background, which is very toxic uh, for for companies, for individuals, for businesses to operate and make a profit. They deliberately ignore that and simply look at valuation and say, "Oh, JSC Incorporated is cheap, therefore we have to buy." Oh, well, I can say the same about Russian Incorporated. It's extremely cheap, but don't mention the war, you know, that kind of thing. And that is sometimes, uh, as, as there's a scramble for assets amongst the, in, in the financial community, I think that is, shows a little bit of desperation because you have a defective product which you have to try and polish and sell to someone who doesn't know better. I think that's, that is irresponsible and being careless with other people's money. As we pre-record this podcast, Magnus Haystack, the South African 10-year bond yield has spiked to 11.14%. Now, the recent history of this, because I watch it, the first thing I watch in the morning when I want to know what a country's doing is look at the 10-year bond yield. I ignore the two-year, I just look at the 10-year. 11.14% uh, is the recent high for the yield. It was 11.12 a couple of months ago, came back to, gosh, what was, was it 10.50 or, so, or something like that? And now it's back again. That 
is, is telling. That tells me that there are outflows. Never mind the equity market, because the equity market will follow the bond market, because this means that interest rates are rising in South Africa, and that is the enemy of the, st of, of the equity market, isn't it? The, the bond markets, yeah, you're quite right. The bond markets is the place to find out what the smart capital is always thinking. And if the, if the interest rates are rising like now, it, it, it's an early indication that the greatest thing is probably going to happen, going to be negative for the bond market and also negative for the currency. Yeah. I looked at what happened with Mauritius when they were put onto the grey list. And over a period of time, very important, not overnight, but in the sort of three months leading up to the grey listing and three months after the grey listing announcement, they dropped 20% against the US dollar. And, and and that was just, I'm not saying the same is going to happen with the, 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 the RAND, but the bond market and the RAND or the currency market already are showing signs of, 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 of skittishness and nervousness about the possible grey listing. Yes, I know the dollar is dominant at the moment, but the bond market plus the currency market plus the equity market is, is extremely weak. And I think some smart money is being parked on the sidelines. Okay. What is the likelihood of the grey listing occurring and what is the time frame? I mean, when the announcement is made that, you know, we're going through the process of grey listing South Africa, how long does it take and how meaningful is it? Uh, are, people, are people selling in anticipation of it? Do people know things, do you think? I, I do. I mean, too many smart people have been warning that it's coming. Uh, Hendrik de Toy from 91 warned a year ago that it's coming. He told government and the treasury to get your ducks in a row. Mabuso from the business leadership of South Africa warned that it's coming. The Alexander Forbes economist warned that it's coming. Just about everybody has beaten the drum. It's coming. We need to get our ducks in a row. In Teledex, uh, uh, 10 days or so, uh, Stuart Hewald and his team released a report which said there's an 85% chance of it happening. And last but not the least, the IMF released a report for four months ago where they played with a couple of scenarios which ranged from outflow equal to about 7% of the economy. That was the worst case scenario. And the best case scenario was like an outflow of about 2% of the economy. Well, I'll take your pick. Something, if we are grey listed, the scenarios are not are not great. In fact, they, they, they're very poor. It's not an economy that can afford to be shrunk by 2%, to 7% or somewhere in the middle, 4 4.5%. Um, so yes. And, and, and then things get worse. I mean, it's just almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy when it comes to the markets because the money, the, the, the economy shrinks and therefore local companies do badly and therefore the JSE falls and on and on it goes, Magnus. This is quite serious. It is extremely serious, and, and, and people should be alerted to this. People in pension funds and private portfolios and provident funds, etc., the retirement products, if you look at, if you start delving into these things, which I do, I do that for a living, I look at some of the 10-year returns on the pension funds in South Africa. I battle to find anyone that has made any returns after, after inflation and after costs. In other words, you're basically getting back what you put in. So your purchasing power has dropped by about 30 to 40%. And that in itself is not a great sign 
Yet the media is deathly, deathly silence, uh, silent about this. Not a word, and I've tried, you know, I, I write to editors of newspapers, and I say, guys, you need to look at this. There's a, a pension crisis looming. Here's an article. It just gets into the bin. They're not interested in that kind of story. Now I don't know if it's the Salams and the old mutuals of the world putting pressure on these guys not to publish, but... Wow, it, it, it concerns me. And uh, as I read these articles in, in the European newspapers, British newspapers, they appear on the front pages of, of uh, the pensions and pension outcomes are often discussed on the front pages. In South Africa, never. The reason that the media is silent is for the same reason that you've highlighted at the beginning of this interview. People criticise you, so they can't afford to. I mean, I remember going to one particular a publication and because I wanted my podcast to be put on their site and I sent them an example and the chap that I was interviewing um, he, he alluded to the ANC in disparaging ways and they said Lindsay we can never ever have your podcast thanks for your interest goodbye they're terrified of being sanctioned by the, well, the ANC and, and other organizations well they you mean Everybody is so so scared of of, of, of the, the the venomous power of the ANC. Uh, if you dare to criticise them, and they will come at you if you want to run money for the for the uh, uh, the government sometime in future. Um, they just don't want to get involved in that. So they, they, this is deathly silence. So you know, coming back to when people criticise me, it does it, it is unsettling when I keep on saying, well, come with the facts, and if you don't have facts that dis disagree with my point, then I know it's just vicious attacks and I am actually doing my job. And there are enough people who do email me or do say on Twitter, keep it up because nobody else is doing it. You know, you've got Darby Ruert who's doing a, a great deal of work and the late Mike Sischler did a lot of work. Yeah. But uh, most economists in South Africa are career economists at either a large asset manager or a big bank. And uh, university, and especially the universities, are too scared to say a word because that's their bread and butter and they will be out of a job very, very quickly. So, you know, it, 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 it's, 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 not a, it's a very toxic environment to be giving financial advice because uh, you, you, can, you can quite easily be shot down in flames if you're not careful. So what you're saying is that some fund managers have embedded economists that are entrenched in their job. There's two words, embedded and entrenched. And if they come out with something that is not in line with the portfolio managers or the, the whole organization's philosophy towards markets, then it, it's not good. So as I say, they have to sort of fall in line with the, with the views of the people at the top or the PMs. What about... About six six weeks ago, there was an article, uh, well, it was published all around in the media. Um, there was the economist of the Old Mutual Group, which is a very, very large investment holding group. Mm. And he was saying, believe it or not, the words he used was, South Africans have never had it so good. And he published this article as to why things are going absolutely swimmingly. And Did you, you say know, six I, weeks I, ago I, or, I, six, or 60 years ago? Or, no, or, or six no, months six, ago? Six weeks. Six, Six weeks ago. No, about six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, hmm. he made the astounding, astounding statement that South Africans have never had it so bad and they shouldn't complain. And he, and he, he rattled off a, a list of dubious little economic indicators 
which showed how well things are going. Now, you know, that's the kind of thing that 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 is absolutely disgraceful. It goes out in the media that the journalists themselves are not educated or not financially literate. They just republish what they rewrite press releases for a living. And that goes out into the mainstream. And you just say this is an absolute bloody lies because mm. the reason why they're trying to do it is, is the bottom line is if you sell your investments now, you're going to miss out on this massive uptrend coming our way. And that's just their strategy today. Don't, you know, don't, 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 don't sell your own mutual products because then you're going to live, you miss out uptrend. And, and they, they keep on saying this for year after year after year. And I look at some of the returns on, on those products. Uh, I'm not even talking about real returns. There's some funds that have made no money in nominal terms in five years. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Nobody's blowing the whistle on the, the very, very poor returns of these large insurance companies. Well, I've seen you've been fairly vociferous via Twitter uh, with the company that you've just mentioned over the, um, over the last um, couple of years, actually, maybe even, maybe even longer. But let's not get, um, let's not get personal with this. So what, what, what's your message here and what's your advice, please, Magnus? Well, I, you know, I can only appeal to the... Uh, the, the the world of financial advisors, and I think there's 140,000 registered financial advisors, at least some modicum of honesty and decency and try and and give advice which is appropriate for the client, not, not for the company that you are working for or the product that, that, that promises the highest commissions and stuff. And I think, you know, by and large, there are a lot of advisors are doing this, but they're still outnumbered by the the, the the tired agents who work for these big insurance companies who dare not speak out, but that's their bread and butter. So it does create an opportunity for companies like Brent is to come in and 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 shine the spotlight on 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 these practices and and benefit from it. Magnus, thanks so much for your illuminating insight. Magnus Haystack is from Brentus Wealth, and that was it's my money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.